Hello, my hopefully unhacked friends. In this episode, I want to talk about a web browser called Tor. You might have heard of Tor as a way for people to visit that dangerous and creepy place called the dark web. Not that you actually want to visit the dark web. You probably don't. But you might be interested in using the Tor browser. Or maybe you know someone who prefers Tor and you wonder why. I'm talking about it today because the more you know about that wild and crazy place we call the internet, the safer you'll be. The Tor browser, spelled T-O-R, is much like any other web browser like Chrome or Firefox or Safari. It's an app for your PC. You download and install it like any other browser. To use it, you open it up and you type in the web address you want to go to and it takes you there. But there are a few important differences between Tor and your run-of-the-mill browser. To understand these differences, let's talk a little bit about how the internet works and how there's a lot more to it than what you see when doing your everyday browsing. All websites on the internet fall into one of three categories. The one you're accustomed to using is called the surface web. The surface web has websites like YouTube and the Weather Channel and Craigslist and Amazon. Most legitimate businesses like to operate on the surface web because you can search for them there. And what good is a website if you can't find it, right? So the surface web it is for these sites. The reason you can search for and find things with a search engine on the surface web is that the pages have gone through a process called indexing. You might have had the experience of putting up a website or a YouTube video, and you're all excited that now people can search for it on the web. But this process isn't instantaneous. It used to take weeks for Google to index a new site and make it show up in searches, but thankfully, now that time is cut down to a day or two. When you put something new on the web and you don't want it indexed, you have to specify that you don't want that to happen. But why would you do that? This brings us to the deep web. We talked about the deep web in a couple of other episodes, the ones about Sony and Ashley Madison. The deep web is a lot like the surface web with one important difference. Websites are set up so search engines won't index them. So you can't find them with a search engine. You have to know the exact web address you're going to, or you can't get there. But you can get there with your usual browser by typing in the address or clicking a link someone sends you by email or a link they post somewhere public like a forum or Facebook or Twitter or Reddit, something like that. Why would anyone put anything on a website or web page that can't be found with a search engine? There are lots of legitimate reasons. One might be a page with your company's latest sales data, which your company makes available to salespeople working outside the office as a convenience for them. They can go to this page and log in, and with a valid login and password, of course, and see the latest sales information. But still, you don't want random people browsing the internet to stumble on the page. Besides it being annoying to have a bunch of wannabe hackers repeatedly trying to log in just to see if they can, it prevents your search results from getting clogged up with irrelevant stuff. Most of us don't want to see the Bob's Widgets sales page come up when we're just shopping around for, like, a nice decorative lantern for your mom's birthday, right? So the deep web keeps all that noise away from you. 
the deep web is also a really good place for information that's somewhat private, but not exactly secret. A few years ago, I was putting together a theatrical show, and I wanted to share the rehearsal schedule with the cast and crew, so I posted it as a page on my website and shared the link with everyone via email. But in this case, I put in a setting so the page wouldn't get indexed. The rehearsal schedule wasn't exactly a secret. In fact, some of the cast even talked about it on Facebook publicly. But it was just something that only we would really be interested in, and the deep web was a convenient place to put it. Unless one of the cast had a stalker or something, that would make it unsafe. But even the stalker could have just called the theater to find out the schedule. It wasn't a big secret. In this case, I assessed the risk involved with having something available on the deep web, and I considered it a pretty low security risk to put that page there with no password. And nothing bad happened, and everybody showed up for rehearsal. And then there's Pastebin. I mentioned the site Pastebin.com in the Ashley Madison and Sony episodes. Pastebin is a place for people, particularly programmers, to post code or messages anonymously, and they would ordinarily post the link on a forum or send it via email. Pastebin is considered to be on the deep web because you can't search its contents with a search engine, but you can get there with any browser. The deep web is also a good place for things like legal documents and medical records, all password protected, of course. It keeps the information accessible while not advertising it to everyone who's searching for lawn furniture or Justin Bieber songs or garden gnomes shaped like penguins or, you know, whatever people search for. Both the surface web and deep web have websites with familiar domains like .com, .org, .edu, or country domains like .ca for Canada. On both the surface web and the deep web, there aren't a lot of secrets. For example, you can usually track down who runs a particular website. This is why on the surface web and deep web, you don't see websites that deal in illegal stuff like selling stolen bikes or recreational drugs. It's just too easy to track the site owner and all the users on it. If you own a website, you can sign up for services that keep your identity private. But if you try to do something illegal, the police or FBI can get a warrant to find out who you are. This keeps the surface web somewhat honest. And while there are plenty of scams around, they're usually done by individual users, not the websites themselves. Like, someone might sell you a bogus Cartier watch on Etsy, but that's not Etsy's fault. Etsy is trying to keep it all clean and honest and makes no effort to hide who they are or what their business is. So that's the surface web and the deep web. But then there's the third category. The dark web. The dark web has a few distinguishing features. It's designed to be anonymous, meaning that Someone can set up a website in such a way that no one knows where the website is hosted or who's behind it. This kind of anonymity attracts some pretty shady characters, like people selling drugs and guns and fake IDs and money laundering services and hackers selling databases of stolen passwords. Basically, the kinds of things you and I would never consider giving as Christmas gifts. But there's a good side to the dark web, too. Like for journalists and whistleblowers who want to chat on forums but stay anonymous for their own protection. 
or people living in countries where internet access is highly censored, and they just want news from outside their own country. If you're feeling alarmed by hearing about this shady place, don't worry. You can't get to the dark web by accident. You have to go through a lot of effort to access it, and it's impossible to stumble on it with your usual browser. The name TOR is an acronym for The Onion Router. Websites on the dark web have the domain .onion, not .com, .net, or .anything else. And you can only get to one of these sites by using the TOR browser, and only if you know the exact web address. The term onion comes from the fact that every website visit, every click, every anything with TOR doesn't go right from you to the website as it does with a regular browser. Instead of a request going right to the website, it bounces around several times, it gets more and more encrypted every time, and when the request finally gets where it's going, the many layers of encryption need to be peeled off before the website can read the request. This need to peel off layers is where the concept of an onion comes in. That's why the dark web domain is .onion, and why Tor stands for the onion router. But where did all this come from? Did some underworld boss set this all up so his gang could launder money? Or was it some tinfoil hat guy inventing onion routing to prevent the NSA from tracking his every move? Oh, no, wait, it was a brilliant hacker that wants to take down the patriarchal infrastructure of the 1% that controls our governments and keeps poor people poor while they milk the profits off the backs of our hard labor. Nope, none of the above. The dark web was developed by the United States Navy. In the mid-1990s, the United States Naval Research Laboratory developed the concept of onion routing as a way for the military to communicate secretly over the internet. The Tor browser was developed as a way to navigate all the layers of the onion. In the early 2000s, the developer of Tor set up the Tor Project, a nonprofit for maintaining the browser, and they made Tor available for public use. There are all kinds of reasons why someone would want to browse the internet without prying eyes on them. Activists, journalists, people living in oppressive regimes, Military personnel who need to send sensitive messages, they should all be able to communicate privately over the internet, and that was Tor's original intention. But the dark web is kind of like a little speakeasy hidden away in the corner of town, you know, a place where people can speak freely without fear of being identified. But in any place like this, eventually you're going to have trouble. While it will attract advocates of free speech, it's just a matter of time before the criminals discover that dark and smoky little place, too. So at one end of the room, you have a group of Belarusians describing civil rights violations with a journalist, something they can't do freely at home. But at the other end of the room, you have gang members discussing the best weapons to buy on the black market, or how they're going to smuggle in a truckload of heroin. And then there's a trio of Nazis at the bar singing nationalist songs and planning to bomb a church. And then at the booth at the far back, a group of pedophiles are 
quietly exchanging photos of children whose lives they've ruined. So yeah, maybe the dark web isn't a place you want to hang out. But just because you need the Tor browser to visit the dark web, it doesn't mean you can only use Tor for that. You can use Tor like you would any other browser, but the difference is that you'll stay anonymous. When you surf the web with a regular browser, websites keep track of your habits, and they store these little bits of information in something called a cookie, which is just a small bit of data stored on your computer. When you visit a different website, it can access the cookie from the other website and see what you've been up to. You've probably noticed this. You, you, know, you shop for gardening equipment, and then for the next few weeks, you're barraged with ads for wheelbarrows and fertilizer wherever you go. That's because you are not anonymous. Maybe the website that you visit doesn't know your name, but they know what you've been doing. Now, what you've been doing probably isn't a big secret. I mean, big deal, you're shopping for gardening equipment. Who cares? But that doesn't mean you want all the websites to know about it. You could get around this by deleting your cookies regularly, but there are some cookies that are really hard to delete. So why not avoid cookies altogether? There's also the fact that when you use a regular browser, the sites you visit can see your IP address which identifies your location and sometimes even your actual computer. They can connect that up with the links you click or items in your shopping cart or whatever, and sites will sometimes sell this information or even just store it, and if they get hacked, the hacker gets all the information about you. The information itself might not be that valuable just by itself, but a hacker could use all this knowledge about you for social engineering attacks. Like if they know you visited Angela's discount rabbit supplies warehouse, they could send you a fake email about your recent purchase and try to get you to click a link. And there's also just plain desire for privacy. Like supposing you're experiencing stress or anxiety, as many people have during the pandemic. Or you know someone who's having problems with addiction, so you do a search to find some helpful advice. That search should be private, right? If you're using a regular browser, it's not. I worry about this a little bit myself. In researching these episodes or the class I teach at Tulane University, I do web searches about all kinds of unsavory stuff. And anyone who could see what I'm doing and where I'm going could form some pretty weird conclusions about me. If there's any way your browser history could be used against you, you might think about using Tor to browse the web, especially if your searches could be easily misconstrued. The tracking, the cookies, the search history, the browser history, these are all reasons why Tor is an attractive alternative to a regular browser. By default, Tor masks your IP address and deletes all cookies and browser history as soon as you close the browser. This means that on Tor, a website doesn't know who you are, and your computer doesn't know where you've been. Tor itself isn't a search engine, it's just a web browser. The search engine that Tor recommends is called DuckDuckGo, a search engine that doesn't track your searches. You can actually use the DuckDuckGo search engine with any browser, but when used with Tor, everything stays private. Now, this doesn't mean that when you surf the web with Tor, 
that you won't have to look at ads. Tor doesn't work well with ad blocking software, which is one downside. A website that shows ads will still show them to you, but it won't know anything about what you've been doing, so it will have to take a wild guess about who you are and what you would buy. At least you won't feel like you're being stalked by an ad bot. Getting Tor is pretty simple. Go to torproject.org and download it and install it. That's it. But do make sure you go to the Tor Project website and not some other website that might have a fake version of Tor set up by hackers designed to steal your data. A few websites block Tor users, but just a few, and you can always open your normal browser for those sites. And if you do decide to use Tor to visit the dark web, do so with caution, please. <laughs> the dark web is rife with hackers and scammers looking to rip you off. And if you fall for a scam on the dark web, you have no recourse with the law because people are anonymous there. So it's nearly impossible for the police or FBI to even know who they are, let alone find them. All right, classic example. Suppose you want to find out whether your girlfriend is cheating on you. So you go to the dark web and you find your way to a hacker's forum. Oh yeah, this is where the real hackers are hanging out, right? Who knows? Anyway, you're all excited because you're hanging out with hackers. So you put up an offer. You're like, I'll pay somebody to find out if my honey is honeying it up with somebody else. And one guy says, sure, send me $100 in Bitcoin. I'll do it. So you send off your Bitcoins and then nothing. You never hear from the hacker again. They ripped you off. But you can't exactly go to the Better Business Bureau and complain. What did you expect to happen? You gave some anonymous person 100 bucks. You don't even know who they are. The moral of the story here is while the Tor browser has its uses, just make sure you're not hacked or scammed in the process. One easy way is just stay off the dark web altogether. Just use Tor for the surface web and deep web. And if you do wander into the dark web, which, you know, you kind of have to make an effort to get there, but don't buy anything. Don't give out your name and address and don't give anyone access to your PC. Same rules as for the surface web and deep web. So now you know what the Tor browser is, and you can decide for yourself whether you want to use it. Go forth and surf safely. This is Michelle Bousquet from How Hacks Happen. I want you to know all the things, all the things, so that you can be as safe as you can and enjoy the web to the fullest. <laughs>